It's, um, it's good to be here tonight. Um, as you know, we've been following this theme on Sunday nights called The Practice. And so it's brilliant um, to uh, uh, be journeying that together, looking at some of the spiritual practices that down through the ages have allowed us to be shaped into more of the character of God and develop the Christ-likeness that is part of our destiny. Yeah. And, uh, and so it's been brilliant to journey that together. And... Um, um, and so we're going to um, have some fun tonight. It's an absolute honor and treat to have uh, Jared McKenna with us and, uh, and also to have Johnny Clark, who's a great friend from um, Ross Trevor and Leeds YWAM here in Ireland and some friends from there. Johnny, it's great to have you with us tonight. And Johnny is helping host Jared when he's here and we do some things together and get up to the odd bit of kingdom mischief together. So it's, uh, it's great to have you here, Johnny. But I want you, um, we're going to sort of tag team this a little. I'm going to prompt Jared with some questions and we're going to just let him go um, tonight. I feel like um, God really will speak to us tonight. So let's have our hearts soft and sensitive to what he wants to do. And let's give a big Lurgan welcome to the Aussie in the house tonight, Jared McKenna. Can we do that? My, my legs weren't long enough for the step. Did anybody else see me take the steps? That's... <laughs> I felt this up problem every week, don't you? <laughs> um, it's, Jared, it's great to have you. We're thrilled that you could come. Um, you've been in Ireland once before, isn't that right? Yeah, 2015. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So it's great, it's, great to have you. it's great to have you here. We're, we're, uh, we want you to feel free and at home um, to share some of your heart with us. Could we, could we just start by sharing a little bit about who you are and a bit about family and what, and what you do? Yeah, sure. Well, let me start with family because that's kind of uh, exciting. Today is my two-month anniversary since I got married. Whoa! <laughs> which, uh, yeah. Which the natural question is, what are you doing here? Um, <laughs> and uh, so it's not just the joy of the Lord on my face. It's uh, a little extra something as well. So, um, uh I had these trips planned prior, and a, a mate, Samuel, who uh, Johnny knows, and uh, Samuel's an amazing Nigerian evangelist who's doing incredible peace-building work in Chicago. Um, he has seen one of the biggest reductions of police violence um, in black neighbourhoods because uh, he was led by the Spirit to uh, open up homes in rough neighbourhoods and provide housing for police to come and live in those places. It's a beautiful, inspiring story. Um, but Samuel um, said to me, uh, you're speaking in uh, Hawaii in December. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, you should take Kathleen, Kathleen McKenna. How's that for a, a, a name, right? She's Dutch. <laughs> um, uh, you should take Kat with you. And I'm like, Samuel, I, I can't, like, that's not going to be fun with a chaperone. We, we're not <laughs> planning to get married until next year. And he's like, you work it out. So we rushed a wedding a couple of months, like, in between. I still had another five nations to be in before the year was out. Managed to get my direct family, her direct family, together in Perth. And we got married, which is really exciting. Oh, wow. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. So there's a little bit about family. Brilliant. And uh, tell us, uh, so you're from Perth originally, Perth. yeah? Is there some kind of Irish connection there? Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, my granda is from uh, Donegal. Oh. And uh, my grandma is from Coleraine, and my dad was born in Coleraine as well. Yeah. Wow. Uh huh. Brilliant. So tell so us. The Ministry of Reconciliation is alive <laughs> and well. That's what I'm saying, right? Amen. <laughs> Amen. So tell us a little bit about um, some of the things that you're involved with, could you? Um, yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm, I'm a pastor at a Pentecostal church at home. Um, I was <laughs> worshipping with the Church of Ireland this morning, so this is the third time I've, uh, well, this isn't really preaching, we're just hanging out, but um, I've preached two sermons um, down in Dublin this morning, and uh, I'm sure some of them thought I just had Tourette's. The amount of noise I was making in worship, I think they were just like, oh, poor young man. Um, <laughs> Uh, so I'm a Pentecostal pastor at home, um, the same denomination as Hillsong until recently. Now they're their own thing, um, uh, which is wonderful and, and doing great stuff. And uh, that's, that's probably more typical. Um, what's maybe less typical is the last six years of my life I've spent living with uh, people who need a place of safety. Um, the legal term is asylum seekers and refugees. 
And so that's something that uh, God put on my heart. And so uh, I bought a house for the reason of providing Christ-like hospitality. And uh, it's, it's fascinating because I have all these pastors come up to me and say, how come you've seen so many Muslims come to Christ? And my answer is, we love them. Um, like, it's not rocket science, right? Like, there's no asterisks next to love your neighbour, it's just love your neighbour. And uh, as you do that, they say, why do you love like this? And be ready to give an answer for the hope you have, right? Is one of my first memory verses when I came to Christ. And so we've seen... Uh, um, so many Muslims in the last couple of years come to Christ and uh, um, it, it surprises and draws heat from uh, both sides of culture wars uh, at home and elsewhere. And it's, it's amazing when you start putting Christ's teaching into action, um, who it attracts and who it raises eyebrows of and who's drawn near and just seen incredible. So does Russell Brand mean anything to this crowd? I'm not sure if that's a good thing or not, actually. But, like, um, so, like, when Russell Brand toured Australia, he decided to talk about my home in each city as an example of where the world should be he heading. Oh. So there's been this crazy kind of... There's something special that happens when we put Christ's teachings into actions beyond just our heart. Because most of us are like, of course Jesus is Lord of my heart. But sometimes we don't connect that he's to be Lord of our neighbourhoods as well. He's to be Lord of our nations as well. And uh, that his radical love that saves us, that we're called to live. And the people who take interest in that is remarkable. So please be praying, because uh, it's about 50-50 at this stage, but I'm off to London after being around these parts later in the week. Um, uh, the Archbishop of Canterbury is launching a new book, and I contributed a chapter to it. So um, I'm going to the book launch, which should be fun. Uh, I'll meet the Arch, um, which will also be fun. I just I just met another Arch. I met Desmond Tutu when I was oh. in Cape Town, which was, like, incredible. So it's like a bit of an Anglican tour. It's like the Pentecostal meets Anglicans around the world. It's been great fun. Um, uh, and there's a 50-50 chance that... Um, uh, Premier Christianity, anybody listen to Premier Christianity? Um, so Justin Brevley is a great guy, unbelievable podcast you might know. He contacted me and said, would you uh, want to come on the show with Russell Brand and discuss things? Oh. And I'm like, sure. Sounds like a crack, as they say around <laughs> this part. Um, and uh, Russell Brand's uh, publicist got back and said, actually, um, Russell would like to do uh, Jared on his podcast if he's free on the day. So please be praying because wow. that's, a, that's a great opportunity, right, to be able right. to share of the love of Jesus. So I appreciate and covet your prayers. And his latest book is obviously incredibly open about his, oh, his struggles. And yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And something happens when we move from Christian cultures of cover-up mm. to Christian cultures of confession. Mm. Um, maybe it's sharing too openly, but I knew I was at home as soon as I saw people out front doing smoko. And uh, I don't know if that translates from Australian. But, like, the, there's something about places where you can be yourself mm. and be on the journey and you're welcome and there's no shame. Praise mm. Jesus. Mm. That's a, um, seeing, seeing your young people worship down here ministered to me this evening. Mm. Um, uh, seeing uh, you, your worship leader and the heart that he has, mm. and I've never met the fella before, but the heart that he has to actually lead people in worship mm. and not just do Christian karaoke, um, it's, it's amazing and I, I travel a lot, I see a lot of stuff and what impresses me is communities that know how to love well, mm. who aren't playing games and they're just the humble kind of stuff of rolling up your sleeves and doing unto others mm. as Christ has done unto us, that transforms not just individuals but, but cities and uh, nations and our world. So it's, oh. it's an honour to be with you lot. Thanks oh, yeah. for having me. Mm. Can you tell us, just before we push on a little bit more, can you tell us a bit about the house that you're currently living in then? Yeah. Uh, from what I know, uh, I'd like to know more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> First line. So it, uh, it used to be a former meth lab, um, which uh, Russell Brand actually made jokes about. He was like, who knows, maybe there's still some drugs there. You should go volunteer and find out what you find. Um, uh, so it was a former meth lab, and even the place itself is a story of redemption. It was built as a four-square gospel church in the 70s. Wow. And then it became this wonderful Aboriginal community centre. Then it became a daycare centre. Then it was bought up by developers and just was left abandoned and became the local meth house. And, you know, it was like a bit of a Breaking Bad situation that was going on. And uh, I was um, feeling led to, to start this work, and I invited an elder 
um, uh, in, in my life, a, a godly man, a man of prayer, and his name is Uncle Alan Kickett. And for Indigenous people at home, uh, uncle is a term of respect. So I'm not related to Uncle Alan, um, but he, he's a Noongar elder. And I um, invited him over and we spent some time praying just at the property. And uh, I said, Uncle Alan, what do you think God's doing? And uh, he said, this is Narumgara land. And I was like, I thought this was Wadjuk country. He's like, yeah, but this is Narumgara land. And I'm like, oh. I had no idea what he was talking about. I was like, same response as you. I'm like, oh, like, are you going to fill me in? And he didn't. He just left it like, and I'm like, what's Narumgara land, Uncle Anne? And he goes, you should know. You're a pastor. Oh. Still didn't tell me. Just left me. And so finally I was like, please, oh, I've got no idea. He's like, Jesus is the Narumgara man. This is Narumgara land. And I'm like, Uncle Alan, translate it for me. And he goes, it's magical. This is a place of the magic of grace. Isn't that beautiful? And that was a confirmation of us that the transformation that this building was going to be, we were going to see in people's lives. And seeing the transformation that the good purposes that God had and seeing what this place had become, and yet God wasn't finished with the work of redemption, and just as this place was going to become a place of Christ-like hospitality, where the Spirit was welcome, and where those that, I mean, those who know anything about the situation in Australia, responding like Jesus to people who need safety is pretty provocative at home. And sometimes when you follow Jesus and they give you awards and you're in the newspaper and on TV and people love you. And there's other times when you follow Jesus and uh, you get death threats and uh, people run your reputation through the dirt and all that kind of... And it's all part of it, right? Because it's never about that stuff for us. That's why it's never about street corners, whether it's prayer or... But what is this journey of... Uh, I kind of think about it, Alan, as uh, on the cross our Lord says, forgive them, Father, they don't know what they're doing. And our Christian journey starts with that kind of unknowing. We don't know about the sick kind of stuff that we participate in that harms ourselves and others. But as we keep following Jesus, there's a different kind of unknowing that we take part in. And it's the unknowing of the mercy that we're getting caught up in, the compassion that is moving through us. It's the unknowing of, I'm doing good with one hand and my other hand doesn't even realise that I'm living God's love. And uh, that's, that's been some of the story and why people have gone, I want in. So it's this re really weird mix of like there's people from all different religions and just your average Aussie who worships uh, Aussie rules football and beer and the market. And, um, and, and then there's like, you know, the most famous comedians in Australia and musicians and they're all visiting and, and going, what is this? And we're like, I don't know, but it's got something to do with following Jesus. And that's a, that's a joy, right? Some of you know that. Some of you have been invited by people tonight and you're experiencing some of that now and you're like, what is that? Mm. Keep asking the questions about what is that grace because, yes, it does transform. Yes, our world can be different mm. and we can be different too and it can start right now, tonight. Just to um, give a little bit more context to the situation <laughs> of in Australia. So yeah. why what you're doing, which is, you know, there's a number of people obviously live in this place. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So there's like 13 of us at the moment. Well, mm. and, and many of them are asylum seekers. Is that right? Uh, all of them, uh, okay. apart from uh, uh, me and my new family. Yeah. <laughs> well, and so um, j just kind of brief, we've obviously got some of our <laughs> plenty of our own problems here um, huh. over the years, but just why is that so countercultural in, in Australia? Just maybe for some people that don't know in terms of why you could um, end up getting some press that's not brilliant as well for the kind of thing <laughs> you're doing. Yeah, sure. Um, so people love Aussies generally, right? Like um, uh, we speak funny and we're kind of warm. And um, Aussies, uh, th there's two things that are true and we only usually tell one of them. In 1901, Australia was established as a utopia of equality. And that's why uh, you'll find CEOs on a Friday in the pub with people who are working on the floor of the factory because that, that fair go for everyone is very important to us. We don't care about like all the fancy stuff. Um, that is really, really important to us and we really respect that. And while that is true, what we don't often share 
is that in the first week of Parliament in Australia in 1901, the first week we passed a law that was called White Australia Policy. And uh, those from uh, this little Emerald Isle weren't really considered white until much later in the experiment. And um, that, that is part of the history of Australia too. And so maybe it's because we stole the land of people who had been there for 70,000 years that we feel anxious it'll be stolen from us. Maybe it's because we haven't prayed through the trauma um, that all of that has caused. Maybe it's because we're completely blind in our secular society to the reality of principalities and powers and that we have work to do to repent of stuff that might not be my sin, but the sin marks the land which we're now on. And one of the things that I respect, and I know some of you know Johnny already, but what I respect so much about Johnny is that he's dedicated his life to the kind of spiritual warfare that is practical and heals and is humble. And it's the work of actually understanding the stories that animate the hatred and the fear that we often dare not name. The kind of stuff that we like to pretend we're over and move forward, but we move forward not trusting. And uh, even the reality of like uh, being a McKenna from Belfast and the, the kind of things that for some of us that brought up. And it's not rational, but it is visceral. And the promise of Calvary and resurrection is that can heal. We can be kin. The songs that we used to sing in such ways that used to become power to overpower one another can now be the power and announcement of a power that brings us together. That is true here and that is true in Australia. And so that's some of the stuff that we're dealing with because currently uh, Australia is leading the world in walking away from, well, stuff that's connected to the other side of my family, Alan. Um, mm. uh, so my mum's side of the family are Russian Jews. And you're like, Jared, are you an Irish Jew? I know it's a small minority group, right? That's a, that's a weird Venn diagram right there. And uh, after the Shoah, after the Holocaust, we said never again will we turn away people needing safety. And Australia was one of the signatories that provided the framework to say what we see in the gospel, that we welcome the stranger, that will now become international framework of law so we will never repeat what happened in Nazi Germany. And Australia is currently leading the world in walking away from that framework wow. and we're imprisoning people indefinitely. So I can't be involved with the healing of my ancestry on both sides mm. without being caught up in the work of God's reconciliation now. And it means that the barriers which Christ has mm. brought down I can't allow to go up in my own heart. Mm. I can't allow such small identities to name me as something less than a child of God. Mm. I can't let my baptism be relegated to a nice religious thing that names me as part of a tribe instead of the power of Calvary that I'm immersed in once off that becomes a daily reality as mm. we are re-baptised in the Holy Spirit. Mm. And that's what we're called into. And it will make people uncomfortable from all sides. You'll find people on all sides start to give you a hard time. But blessed are you when people say all kinds of false things uh, against you because you're living into the love which is the name of Jesus. Mm. And that's our gospel. That's all we got. And thankfully, it's good news. Amen. Uh, so you kind of already alluded to this, but should we baptize, actually name people this morning? Over come on. Um, yeah, that's awesome. And so one of the things that we're trying to like really... Yeah. Uh, yes, come on. One of the things that I was trying to say at the start was that um, as family and friends came to watch this, we just took a little bit of time, first of all, to say, you know, this is a holy moment. This is oh, not just some kind of sentimental act, which it's mm. kind of become mm -hmm. along with another, along with other kind of sacraments in the church, mm. but that this was a radically kind of subversive That's act of right. pledging allegiance to Jesus and that meant walking in a Jesus-like way and living up, if you like, to yeah. the Jesus-like way or down, whatever yeah, way yeah, you want yeah. to put it. But so I suppose when it comes to some of the stuff that you're giving your life to now, like um, welcoming the foreigners, not just in some kind of tokenistic way. Or, mm. So how is, what, what I'd be interested in, in your journey to how this kind of stuff is right front and center of what it mm. means to follow Jesus as opposed to, well, we'll come to church and do a kind of evangelical Christianity and supplement this kind of thing now and again. <laughs> it's like <laughs> the, an add-on. Add yeah, we, we should be nice to them yeah, as opposed yeah. to 
radically kind of change in our life. So I'd just be really interested in hearing how, you know, I know it's probably a long story, huh. but just uh, your own journey of realizing yeah. that this is this is the kind of stuff where the rubber hits the road. This sure. is the stuff that Jesus called us to actually do if we loved him. Yeah. I'd just be interested to hear a little bit of your journey. And, uh, yeah, thanks, Alan. I think most of it intuit it, right? Like if you've had a real experience of Jesus, you know the power of that love. But what we sometimes find hard is connecting how we're to live that love. Like we know that grace has saved us, but sometimes connecting that we're to live that salvation, we're like we struggle with it being practical. And uh, in, in some way, like I came to Christ when I was 14 and we were singing a hymn which I don't think I've sung since I was baptised around that time a little earlier. Like I, I got all teary. Oh, wow. um, Oh, how marvellous. Oh, how wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Like, that was, that was powerful for, for me. But um, it was my sister, myself, and two other girls around our age in a home church that I know this place mm-hmm. kind of grew out of that mm-hmm. kind of setting as well. And much like this, it went from my parents who were kind of, it was almost like fundamentalist anonymous. They were like, I know that bad experience wasn't it, so what is it? And I came to faith in the context of my parents opening up their Bibles and going, what is it to follow Jesus? That love that we know, how can the church actually be about living that love? And uh, with the four of us kids, um, I was the, the first to come to faith and uh, the, the rest fell pretty soon afterwards. And that was my first year of high school. Fast forward to our last year of high school. Um, we have a youth group, 140, 150, with 80, 90 coming every week. And we knew that because we had to get a fleet of like combi vans to pick up our mates because only eight of us had Christian parents. The, the rest of us um, uh, weren't from Christian backgrounds uh, whatsoever or from other faith backgrounds or just average secular Aussie. And most of my friends came to faith because they first vomited on me on a Saturday night and then the next week came to church with me on a Sunday morning. But it was seeing me at the parties, not away from the parties in a holy huddle, mm. but at the parties, but with complete integrity, having a great time on the dance floor, but when it comes to the time when youth have been drinking and it's an important part of Australian youth culture apparently is that kind of stuff that I'm baptised so I'm a minister of Jesus Christ so I go to the fridge, I nick the bread I go and get some water and I get thrown up on the rest of the night and it's those practical experiences of why do you love me Mm. and being able to tell my friends of Jesus that my nickname was Bible Boy since I came to faith in in year 8 but suddenly my friends started dropping light flies as well and that experience just kind of grew once I got into university and started to apply to other things as well. I, I'm so passionately committed to Jesus being the way. Mm. I just don't think that means anything other than we have to go the way of Jesus. Mm. And somehow we've become a clanging gong or a tinkling cymbal where we can say Jesus is the way and never experiment with the way of Jesus. Mm. And it makes no sense to the rest of society, particularly here. And at home, where there's a crisis of trust, there's a crisis of imagination, and there's a crisis in what we desire. Or to use the Apostle Paul's language, a crisis of faith, a crisis of hope, and a crisis of love. It's not more theological journals, or even more private prayer meetings that don't turn into our lives being our prayer and living that love towards others. But it's actually when people see the way that we love one another, they're like, yeah, the gospel is good news. I think I want in because I'm starting to believe in the kind of trust that I don't see elsewhere in society, Mm. in the kind of hope that I can't have for myself and yet they seem to have for me, and then the kind of love that I just thought was the stuff for pulpits instead of the stuff that's actually being found in public as these people go about following Jesus. And that's it. People are like, so how did you get involved in activism? And I was like, I don't know. I got involved in loving people and connected the dots. When you realise Jesus is the way of not how we escape earth, but how heaven is coming to earth, well, then we've got to connect the dots between, oh, it's good news in those places that everybody says aren't any good news at all. Can anything good come from Nazareth? I don't know what your Nazareths are here, but you know, right? Those blocks, those apartments, that neighbourhood, they're the very places where Jesus hangs out. And part of the good news is I get to hang out with Jesus as he's there. Mm. 
So it's not being thrown up on in the same way anymore, but in the same way, I gave up my social prestige in high school to be with Jesus, and he puked all over me. And the gift of that was I found family as people came to Christ. As I move into the places where others go, refugees, refos, oh, they're all terrorists. They're all like, well, there's some of us whose families were referred to those ways before the gospel really got hold of our families as well. And if we can have hope for our own story and our own redemption, we need to have hope in those places as well. So often people frame it as social justice, and I just don't really think about it that way. Honestly, I don't. Or activism, and I don't think about it like that. Jesus is Lord. Mm. I'm called to live his lordship everywhere. Mm. And humbly, graciously, we're called to, to live that in ways that make us uncomfortable and others uncomfortable with a kind of radical love that broadens our heart so it's big enough for the cross. Mm. Beautiful. When you were talking, I was reminded, um, never forgotten reading when I was younger, Eugene Peterson say, you know, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Mm. And often in, in the church, we've been so quick to jump to the Jesus truth mm. that we've missed the Jesus way. <laughs> and um, good. the way, the truth, and the life is possibly in that order for yeah. a reason. Wow. That's when yeah, we yeah. embrace the Jesus way. That yeah. It's only then that we fully understand the Jesus truth uh -huh. because sometimes it sounds like we're purporting the Jesus truth, but it's not really done in the tone or the way of Jesus. Yeah. And, and one of the things that I've heard you speak about or read about and stalked you about <laughs> is um, this idea of enemy love. Mm. And uh, you touched on it there earlier on, Jesus on the cross. But I think it's just a, it's a very sensitive but very important prophetic um, part of the Jesus way for us here in Ireland and Northern Ireland particularly and what we have been through as a, as a nation and... As we, uh, as we long to see God do a new thing in our land. Mm. Um, could you tell us, talk to us a little bit about, you know, mm. some of the revelation that you've had mm. of, of enemy love and why that's so important as part of the Jesus mm. way? Yeah, and you know, like the last thing you not lot need is like another vaguely Irish person who's <laughs> grown up elsewhere, like waltzing in and mm. in their swan song talking about what you need so I'm not mm. going to do that but I'll share a little bit Alan in terms Please. of my own mm. story um, and some of the time I spent speaking at the Rubicon conference mm. yesterday with um, uh, some phenomenal people including two women who had to leave and then were given uh, the Irish Women of the Year awards um, oh. later the same day like it was phenomenal I was talking about how that applied to um, uh, some things that are very prevalent here and at home that I honestly don't want to talk about in this space right now because of careful little ears what you hear. But the reality for me was uh, mates that were celebrating my 18th birthday with me. Fast forward two years and uh, I get news from my sister that they'd been blown up in a pub in Bali. And that's where the rubber hits the road, right? is like when people you dearly love, who mean so much to you, are killed senselessly. And the question is, well, do I really believe this stuff that saves me? Because the Apostle Paul is convinced that while we were enemies of God, that God sent his son. So what does that mean for Jared when my mates have been killed somebody else for a senseless reason and I was faced with the reality that I have to rip out half of my New Testament at least if I don't believe that violent terrorists who can organize the killing of the innocent can be transformed because that's the Apostle Paul's story and I find that really confronting and I don't say that as a preacher line please I don't say that as a preacher line but the love that we've just been declaring in worship, the love that we believe has conquered the grave, is the love that the Apostle Paul experienced on that Damascus road that transformed us into the people that we now call the church. And so I found myself in 2007 um, opposite uh, in a madras, in a very poor area of just outside of Solo City, Indonesia, 
facing people who fundraised for the killing of my friends with a mentor of mine, Pastor Paulus Hotono. Pastor Paulus himself, a Muslim background, who um, uh, as a Chinese Indonesian, which is a minority group that the Dutch favoured, so they experienced a lot of persecution, his mentor in this work of enemy love was beheaded. This has high cost to it. His church was set on fire and people in his congregation were killed. And they held a prayer meeting and they're like, how are we going to respond? And they're like, we're going to respond by blessing our enemies, praying for those who persecute us. They are hungry, we're going to feed them. They are thirsty, we're going to give them something to drink. And they literally fundraise for putting the leaders who fundraised for the murder of my friends through peace building courses. When the tsunami came and destroyed the villages, they got young Christians to help rebuild the houses. But pay attention to this. They said, we will not rebuild the houses. And yes, young Muslims are involved as well. Because it doesn't look like the love of Jesus if we just do it for them and they feel like a charity case. We want to do it in such a way where we do it with them and become friends, become neighbours. And so they would organise to play soccer halfway through the day. Uh, would you say football here? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, halfway through the day, and that was just as important as the building of the houses together. And so it wasn't a let us do this for you, but let's do this together. Willa Watson, who uh, is an important influence on me, articulating the wisdom of her people from far north Queensland. She's a Murray woman. The, the indigenous wisdom of from up that way, she'd say, if you've come here to help me, you're wasting your time. But if you've come here because you realise that your liberation is tied up in mine, well, then we can work together. And that's what I saw from Pastor Paulus. He knew that other people's dignity is the work. And we find our dignity as we discover the dignity in those who we'd otherwise so easily hate. And those experiences turn this stuff from a theory or, or, or from uh, theology into my experience and my deepening in the experience of what the cross has done for Jared, what the cross has done for me. This is how God has loved me. If Pastor Paulus can love in these ways, imagine how much more miraculous the love that Jesus has for us. And it's hard. It's incredibly hard. Um, but forgiveness is always a miracle that not only creates a new future for them, but as Desmond Tutu would say, there is no future without forgiveness for us as well. And it frees us from merely being victims and being named by the atrocious things that have happened to us. And we recover our own dignity and leave the door open for the transformation of others as well. I honestly don't know how to talk about the gospel without talking about enemy love because it is the gospel. And uh, yesterday, preaching on the um, Good Samaritan, what's really difficult is that we're not just called to love our enemies, but in the Good Samaritan, we're called to learn to love from our enemies. <laughs> That's really hard. Those people we think are out, definitely not in, won't share eternal life. Um, I mean, Jews at the time... They were encouraged to pray, Lord, do not let Samaritans share in the life to come. Uh, rabbis would talk about at the time, anybody who opens their table to a Samaritan, it was if they ate pig. And if you're not familiar with kosher law, that's not a good thing. And this is who Jesus holds up for us. I don't know who you hate. Some of you like Australians. I'm glad you're here. I'm getting to practice enemy love right now. But Jesus wants us to learn from their mercy what it is for us to practice mercy. And that's a difficult call to conversion. And for some reason in our churches, it can be very unpopular to talk about obedience. But we're called to be obedient and it's in there. It can be very unpopular to talk about repentance. Mm -hmm. And that's what repentance is, going on this journey of learning to live God's love that loved us while we were still enemies. And that is also why we so often miss on the joy of what it is to really be a kingdom people. Because we stop at the very points that if we stepped across, it would transform us. So we have a couple more questions. Oops. But Good I just catch. feel at this point... We'll sign you up for the cricket team now. <laughs> I just feel um, at this point, just with what you said there... Would you, would you pray for us just, and then I'll ask you a couple more questions. Just um, mm. since there's maybe some people
people here tonight and you are struggling with forgiveness. Um, and even if you're not, that would receive fresh grace to be a forgiven people mm. as a nation and as people. Mm. And that would be marked out by something different in the days ahead than what we have been. So rather than just lose this moment, would you, mm. would you, would you pray for us? Would that be... Okay. Yeah, I'd love to, but a- as I do, I just want to take you a moment that this is mm. an abstract for a lot of us. Mm. There are people right now who feel this in their gut, and I don't want to force you into anything that the Holy Spirit isn't inviting you into. So if you're here right now and this is too much, you feel free to just sit with that and wait on God. I just want you to look to Jesus. Look at his kindness as he looks at you. And you don't do anything that the Holy Spirit isn't inviting you into. But I can promise there's freedom in forgiveness. For you, that your freedom is in no longer being named for those things. So as I pray for you now, I just ask for the kind of grace where we'd be able to relax into that love. No force, no compulsion no coercion there is a gentleness to the holy spirit in this place and there's been a sweetness in worship so jesus we want to welcome your sweet holy spirit we thank you there is no time where your spirit doesn't show up that doesn't also bring your future so kingdom future break in right now Lord, as we pray right now, I ask for the kind of gentleness that people would be able to trust, that people would be able to hope, and that people would be able to love. So, Lord, we welcome you, and we welcome your forgiveness, knowing that it's in receiving your forgiveness that you empower us to forgive. So, Lord, reveal your forgiveness right now to us. Come, Holy Spirit. Reveal your forgiveness to us. Make us forgive as we pray. Lord, as I pray, I want to ask for forgiveness, not for sin of my own, but for things that have been done on this land for those that I'm connected to. And Lord, I ask your forgiveness and ask for more of your healing. For the divisions that divide and keep your gospel hope from breaking in, Lord, I ask for forgiveness. And Lord, I I ask for the freedom for others as well this evening to step into not merely their own sins, but those patterns of thinking that divide us And we confess that as a people right now. We want you alone, Jesus, to be Lord over what is happening in this place. So anything, Lord, that would divide us and keep us from the freedom of forgiveness that you have for us now, Holy Spirit, we lay that down. We welcome you, Lord. Thank you, Jared, for that. Um, I, I should have told you beforehand, but it's incredibly poignant and important for us as a nation, but also for us as a church. This um, town that we live in, the street just that the church is on, is actually huh. what's known as a neutral venue um, by the council, um, because this is, um, has historically always been a divided town between Protestant, really this side, Catholic, that side. Yeah. And so we've always really felt the Lord here has called us to be about... Um, what the gospel tells us to be about, ministers of reconciliation, but in a very physical and practical way, we know that God has called us to create that kind of environment here, and it's sensitive for all sorts of reasons for many of our members within our church Mm. um, who have have faced hurt on both sides throughout Mm. those years, so we really, really love that, And, and the kind of transition, just the last couple of questions, but still very much in line with what has been shared, because the reality is we hear some of what you've just 
encouraged us and exhorted us towards in terms of Jesus' way, and yet humanly we feel all sorts of reactions, don't we? Because as much as we may be faithful Christians in many ways, we haven't yet necessarily developed the Christ-like character that that only can get us to that place through God's grace to forgive. And so over the last number of Sunday nights, we've been looking at this theme called the practice because what we've learned is, and I think we have hopefully lots of overlap with a bit of your church background in that we we love the Holy Spirit. We're a Pentecostal, charismatic people, whatever you want to say. We feel God's given us a real heart for the poor in our own community and lots of initiatives that flow from here, which obviously... It's just um, a thread through your life as well. But um, we've been trying to understand how we can be, how we can learn from some of the contemplative tradition and how some of those spiritual practices allow us and lead us to a place where we can receive the transforming presence of Jesus to draw us into Christ-likeness. And um, I know that that's something as well that you're interested in, not just interested in, leading in and pastoring and nurturing people in. And um, But all of these are connected, aren't they? All of these streams we need in order to become formed yes. <laughs> as people that actually become like Jesus. Yeah. Um, and so can you, can you speak into, into that yeah, for a few yeah. moments too, just for us how we could continue to draw from those things, those streams yeah. of the church, that so we don't need to like pick one and <laughs> isolate ourselves, but how the, all of these are important for the transformation of who we're becoming. And I I don't know for you, but I'm only a healthy charismatic if I'm a healthy contemplative. And I'm only a healthy contemplative as healthy as I am as a charismatic. That sometimes we divide these things, but it's actually about finding mature wineskins. Pastor Alan used that term as we're walking in and having the conversation. It's the same language that I use as well that there is a danger for those of us from charismatic Pentecostal side of the church that we can almost become addicted to spiritual one-night stands and that there's no real maturing that there's no and it's it's about the next revival it's about the next conference it's it's about the next evangelistic outreach and we can separate following Jesus from inviting people to follow Jesus and and that will leave us Knowing Jesus is good, but also feeling there must be more. That, that I still haven't found what I'm looking There we go. There's a little bit of... Uh, there we go. I was once on stage with Bono. I touched him. <laughs> I felt power leave his body. That's not true. That's not true. It was true that I was on stage with him, but not that I felt power leave his body. But they're actually an interesting example as uh, people being formed in the charismatic that their own journey has gone deeper. Johnny and I were with uh, Greg earlier in the day who uh, um, did this documentary on Eugene Peterson Mm -hmm. and the importance for Bono of Eugene Peterson because what he sensed in those early experiences, powerful experiences of God, he then needed to go deeper. And sometimes our evangelism can go really wide and invite people into something that's about this deep. And what we need is revival to start here that discipleship, following Jesus, that is what we invite people into. So St. Seraphim, uh, in the Russian Orthodox tradition, he talks about, find your peace with God and see not that a thousand around you are also saved. And what he meant is, you know when you've met somebody who is not just anointed in terms of gifting, but has an anointing in terms of fruit, You know, the kind of character where it's like, this is somebody who's soaked themselves in the presence of Christ. And for us to know that we can develop practices that make us more aware of the grace that is always there for us, if we merely learn to take the time to spend time with Jesus. And so instead of it being, where's the justice journey? Where's the contemplative journey? Where's the charismatic journey? All of this is actually just about Jesus. The gospel, we find in the gospels. The gospels are called the gospels because Jesus is the gospel. 
It's not a theory. It's not a strategy. It's not a diagram. It's not a doctrine. It's Jesus. And as we become people of prayer, we become people who are better at hanging out with Jesus, letting him love all of us, not just the stuff that we want to show others, and realizing the thing that things that we think disqualify us are the same things that God wants to deliver us in and use and transform, and that comes from real maturity. So some of the um, young crew who are here, you're like, I've got no idea what you're talking about. And you know what? That's fine <laughs> for a while. But you will need it in a while, and that's why you need to start not just looking at Christian celebrities mm. and that kind of culture, but find loving people here, mm. sages, as my friend Scott McKnight would put it, who often have blue rinses or grey hair or no hair in this part of the world, but they know something about the compassion that rose Jesus from the grave, mm. and it's seen in their life in the way that they love. Find people who you can sit at their feet, not because they're merely articulate or great orators. Hitler was a great orator. Mussolini was a great orator. You don't need to be baptised in the Holy Ghost to be a great orator, but you do to love. And Satan can't imitate that. Satan can't imitate love. And you'll meet spiritually mature people and you'll know them by their love. Learn to sit at their feet. Learn to pray how they pray. Make sure that the sinner's prayer doesn't mark how your journey starts and ends. Move to the Lord's prayer. Learn to pray Jesus' prayer in such ways that a longing and desire and hunger for the kingdom on earth becomes what you waste your life on. Let it sneak up on you as you worship in the shower when you're on the loo. Is that too crude? I'm an Australian. But you know what I'm saying, right? Like that's got to become our hunger and there's this weird thing that happens as we not only pray but actually say our prayers is that when we step into the prayers of those who have gone before us we learn a different set of desires and that's the real transformation when you start to long for different things than the world longs for rather than just Bible verses slapped on the top of what the world longs for. You know, the Christian equivalents of what everybody else wants. Mm -hmm. But when you actually start to want to move into places that people want to move out of, it's usually because the Spirit's at work. So I encourage you, become and desire to be people of prayer who are known for humility and are listening to God that shows up in listening to others. Become a person who you don't realise the love that you're living when no one is watching. Not just when... It's easy here. I mean, it's easy for us. Do you know how spiritually dangerous this is with lights on a stage? How important you can start to feel with people listening on? This doesn't take the Holy Spirit. What some of you will do later tonight with people that no one else has any time for whatsoever, that's the Spirit of God. And you need to be released to serve in such ways that Christ has served us. And then we're going to see the desire for the kingdom and real transformation in the places. And that will need to move past happy, clappy kind of prayers to becoming people who know the Psalms well and can express faithfully in the pain-ridden poetry of the 22nd Psalm like our Lord did on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And know that it's an act of faith expressing that doubt and by saying you've forsaken me you're actually calling on God's presence they're the kind of mature Christians we need people who know their scriptures because they've learnt to pray them and people who desire to be wise humble servants not Christian celebrities please Christian celebrity culture is killing us it's toxic Instagram Christianity is killing us. Mm -hmm. We need humble servants. Please. So m maybe that's what you would say if I was to ask you <laughs> <laughs> as you travel the world, final question, uh, quite a bit, and <coughs> we become aware that it's pretty fragile out there. It's pretty mm. uh, broken. Mm tumultuous mm -hmm. <laughs> um, in the church as well as society and yeah. and uh, so 
if you had to say something to the church in this in this kind of climate that we're in at the moment, what, mm. what would it be? It'd be something really practical, like um, uh, maybe surprisingly practical. Like there's part of me that would want to talk about fear and the reality of fear and love mm-hmm. casts out all fear. But our Lord says to us, those who hear these words of mine and put them into practice, mm. not merely memorize them, but actually become a people who put the 15 commandments that we find in the Sermon on the Mount, the Sermon on the Mount ends with our Lord saying, those who hear these words of mine and put them into practice are like a wise person who built their house upon a rock. So many of us are looking for a firm foundation and we know it's Jesus and we know it's God's love, but do we know that God's love manifest, revealed to us in Christ Jesus, says that it's practical and it's teachings. And so living God's grace actually breaks down into 15 things that God invites us into because it's gracious deliverance for us. So I would encourage you to become a people who hear these words of Jesus and do them. You'll be like a wise person. And the the thing that I find amazing, Alan, is that both for the wise and for the fools, there will be rain, there will be storms, the waters will rise, the winds will blow. It's just life. Like, it it happens to all of us. But the difference between us holding on and staying together or our houses crumbling and falling apart is not where our heart is even. It's not our sincerity. But it's actually putting Jesus' teachings into into practice. So some of those commandments are letting our yes be yes. We have to be a people who become known for truth-telling and not hyping things up. If God didn't heal them, don't say God healed them. Tell the truth, because truth always glorifies Jesus, not your hype stories about what you hoped would have happened. We've got to become a people who drastically remove temptation. Now, obviously, none of us are legalists, because all the men have both eyes and both hands in the room. But we do need to do something drastic around, we live in a pornographied culture. If you're not confessing, you're covering up. If you don't have somebody to talk to these issues about, you'll be trapped in something that is less than what God has for us all. That's true of all of us. And freedom is as easy, healing is as easy as finding somebody safe that weekly you can be honest with. We've got to become a people who love our enemies. That's in there as well. And Jesus says if we don't, we're fools and our faith will fall. That's really, really hard, but like we actually have to seek first the kingdom, not keep storing up in things that will be destroyed. So I would encourage people with these times of such anxiety and fear that our Lord's commandments to build upon the rock that is what he invites us into, it's the only way out and it's the only way that any church movement throughout history has stayed prophetic is that they've realised that the teacher and the teachings are one, that the sermon and the saviour are one. And the churches which will stand in the 21st century are those who know that to live a Holy Ghost-filled life means living God's grace and it's as practical as the Sermon on the Mount. So my encouragement to all of us would be not just incredible times in prayer, not just incredible times in worship, not just more evangelistic outreach, but becoming a kind of people who do what Jesus asks of us. And we will see things happen in our prayer meetings, in our worship and in our outreach that we can't even ask or imagine. And that's my encouragement. Let me show you our appreciation. Stay here. Stay here. Stay up Can we stand our feet, please, for a moment? I, I would love us to pray for Jared, but before we pray for him, I'd love him to pray for us. Mm. And the way, the way I'd love us to do this um, is slightly different. <laughs> would you take the mic and jump down there for yeah. a moment? So I just, <laughs> I, just I, I feel like without any music, um, mm. without any um, hype, 
I just when when Jared was talking about um, getting around people who love well, and if you've been stirred tonight, you see the, the great thing when someone like Jared talks is it's speaking out of authority, um, not in some kind of ranting and raving kind of way. But did you just did you notice the way tonight that Jared didn't need to raise his voice to carry the presence of Jesus? because it's done in the secret place and it's lived out with real people every day. He hasn't written a book and you know, <laughs> then you go to visit the place he talked about and it's not there anymore, you know. It's still, it's still happening, it's still real and because of that, there's an authority that that carries. And so, I just feel like there's some people here tonight and again, not to like um, push anyone into anything, but I just feel there's some people here tonight and just the way Jared has talked as much as what he's said, which has been incredible, you want to be that kind of person. You want to be a little bit more like that. And so it's a little bit more brave tonight because there's no kind of mood music in the background, right? But if you feel like you'd like to come and just say as a sign, something has happened to me tonight just listening to this, where I would like to become more like Jesus more in the way of Jesus. I'm just going to ask you to come and stand beside Jared at the front. Okay, so I'm just going to leave this for a few moments in the silence and just come and then I'm going to ask Jared just to pray. Just come and stand around him if you feel like I want to commit myself more fully to that kind of a life. Come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. And you know, there's no, there's no pressure because there's a cost to this. There's a cost to this. Just just gather right around. Just fill this space right up, yeah? Come on, come on in here. Just. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So all of us know what that, well, we might not know fully what it means for us. But we're all responding individually. So, George, you've got a mic there. Would you just, would you pray over these guys, would you? I'd love to. Those who are able and those who feel comfortable, can we kneel? Lord, we need you. Would you capture our hearts again, Lord? Lord, we, we need you. Lord, would you pour upon us your love in such ways that we become aware of all those things in us that keep us from stepping in to what you have for us, Lord? Lord, we, we need you. We ask for a spirit of repentance that is sweet, Lord. Lord, would you connect for us joy and repentance in such ways that we know the joy of changing our lives in light of your love, Jesus. So we ask in this place, as we pray, there would be a sweetness and a joy of us recommitting our lives to the love that you have shown us, Lord Jesus. Lord, as, as we pray now, as we kneel, Lord, would you make us a people of humility, would you make us a people of prayer? Would you make us a people that hunger and thirst for your healing justice? First in us, Lord. First in your church. Lord, would you reveal to us again that your judgment, your verdict is light. And yet there's parts of us that love darkness. Lord, bring those things into the light, we pray. Now, Lord Jesus. May this be a judgment scene now, Lord Jesus, with your light flooding those parts of us that still want darkness, Lord. And we bring them before you and bring your warmth of your light in those things that they might be transformed into your power, Lord. Lord, we ask that those things that we, we dare not talk about and we would otherwise hide, that you would reveal to us, you want to use those things to bless others, to no longer haunt us or no longer accuse us, that instead you want to use those things 
to be vessels of your grace. Lord, pour out your grace upon us that we become a people that lack judgment. Lord, a people who in our presence, others feel you, Lord Jesus. We ask that people would walk in and amongst us and would be just so overwhelmed with a sense of the warmth of your love and your purposes in their lives that they will ask us before we even mention your name, Lord. We want to be a people that hallow your name. We want to be a people that when so much of the church, Lord, we leave your way while talking about you on our lips, and we know that blasphemes you. We know it, Lord. We know it, and we ask your forgiveness. When we claim your name and don't live your way, we know it, Lord. And we ask your forgiveness. We ask for the joy of your repentance, and we instead might be a people that make your name holy, that your kingdom would come, that your will, your desire would be done, Lord Jesus, here, right now, in us, we pray as it is in heaven. Lord Jesus, this is our prayer that tonight would mark a spot where again we came back to the centrality of you and we don't want anything other than you, that your grace is sufficient, that your love is all we need and we want to hear you again speak to us, Lord, where do you want us? Where do you want us to go? What are the things that are standing in the way of what you have for us, for your power to be released in this place? What are we holding back that you would otherwise use to transform us, our church, our city, and this nation and the world, Lord? Because we're laying that down now, Lord Jesus. We want to be a people who live your love. We want to be a people who are known for our mercy. We want to be a people who leave behind indifference. We want to be a people that don't look past others, but see those that others don't see. We want to be a people who receive others like you have received us. Give us a fresh revelation right now, Holy Spirit, of your love, of how you've received us, of the power in that, that we can give up nice Christian games and play acting for the goodness of just following you. Lord, we ask that you would take this space and these tears and these cries that surround me right now, Lord, and you would transform them into a humility and a steadfastness and a fearlessness in living your love. Lord, we we are sorry for complicating it. Make us a people that love others as you have loved us. Lord, we're sorry for the things that we've turned it into. Make us a people that hear your commandment, love one another as you have loved us. We pray that. We we thank you for this church. We thank you for this space. We thank you for these hearts open to you. And we welcome the tenderness of your Holy Spirit to make us a people who love like you and in doing so, Look like Jesus. Amen. I'd love us just to finish by gathering around Jared. So, Jared, if you'd stand, everybody would stand at the front. If you'd uh, put your, if you can get near him, just lay hands on him. And um, if you're in the out there, could you stretch your hand out? Let's just take a moment. I'm going to pray in a moment. <clears throat> but why don't you just lift your voices up and start just praying over Jared? Some of the opportunities that are coming up at a pretty significant kind of national level over the next few weeks, you know. Let's just really pray into that and ask the Lord just to use him as an instrument of his peace. Come on, let's lift our voices.
Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. More. Jesus. Father, we thank you for, Lord, um, our brother, um, Jared, Lord, we thank you for his family, Lord, and for the work of his hands in Perth, God, all you're doing in him and through him, Lord, we thank you for the chance just to receive him uh, into our hearts tonight, God, and into our family, Lord, and uh, we thank you, Lord, for what he has shared, how he has spoken to us, how he has revealed more of your heart. We bless him, God, for that. We honor, Lord, his work, his heart, all that you've called him to in the kingdom for such a time as this. And God, we just pray our best prayers now, God, for the next few weeks in his life. God, we pray for, um, Lord, the blessings of the Lord just to be released over him. God, we pray for divine Holy Spirit um, design conversations, openings, opportunities. We pray that the resource of heaven would flow through him, God, into the situations and circumstances. We thank you for these key moments and meetings with people of influence, God. We pray that they would see Jesus, God, in his eyes and hear Jesus in his words, O oh God, and become aware of Jesus' presence when they're in his, Lord. We pray that your spirit would anoint him and grace him, God, for these uh, weeks ahead. We pray a special grace, God, closed in with yourself. Lord, thank you for this whole trip, Lord, over the last few weeks, what you've been doing in him, how you've been shifting and expanding and enlarging his heart in all sorts of ways, oh God. We just pray for more of that. Bless him, God, tonight, and keep him and make your face, Lord God, shine upon him. Let him feel the smile of your countenance, God, resting upon him. And with his family back home, and may he know your shalom, God, your peace, God, resting in and on his life. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.